Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. For our talk, we're going to be in the book of Luke, which is in the New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, there's four books, the beginning of the New Testament, which is sort of kind of the second half of the Bible. The first half of the Bible is before Jesus came, and then the second half of the Bible, the New Testament, is, starts with like the life of Jesus, and then some more about how to live for God. So Luke's the third book of kind of the story of Jesus, and it is the primary book where you find like the traditional Christmas story. So Luke chapter 2. To get us started, there was a Discovery Channel series called Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe. Anybody see that or aware? Okay, quite a few of you. The description of the series is something like this. Mike, the host there, works alongside individuals in occupations that are exceptionally difficult, strange, or even disgusting. Dirty jobs. And then part of the description says says this, nearly every job is even more difficult than he had expected. And this often has Mike expressing admiration and respect for the worker's skills and their willingness to take on jobs that most people would avoid. So some of the examples that I saw in episodes were like sewer pipe cleaner. One of them was jellyfish collector. Yeah, I don't don't want to collect those. I'd try to avoid those. Um... The one that had pretty high cringe factor for me was deer, like Bambi, urine, not yearning, urine, deer, urine, farmer. I don't think I want that job. I'm not exactly sure. I have some images that none of them are good. I'm assuming this has to do with like hunting, creating, you know, wild animal sense. Dirty. Anybody want that? Where do you go to college for deer urine farmer? Anyway. (laughs) Um, So I use that idea to bring up a question for us. Are you a dirty job doer or avoider? I think there's a little bit of both in me. Uh, Grandson update. Here's a picture of my grandson. There it is. Yeah. FYI, he's doing fine. So far, I think he's maybe nine months old. I have not changed a diaper (laughs) yet. Maybe we'll get through the whole thing and I'll, right? So I might be avoiding that. I don't know that that's it, but so, but there are other times in my life I've, probably kind of jumped into jobs that were dirty or messy or whatever. Some of you might not understand this um, if you've grown up in the city and you have sewer systems through the city, but if you live outside of the city, you have a septic system that's kind of your own septic system. 
Basically, the septic system is the pipes, and then there's usually like a big septic tank, and it's where all the toilet stuff goes, right, out in there. So when I was growing up, one winter, our septic system didn't, something went wrong, and so uh, myself and my brother had the job of digging up this, so it was a big ground, you know, tank, this big around, probably eight feet deep, and we had to dig it up. And because it wasn't working right, we had to hand bucket the toilet stuff and then empty it in the farm field next to the house. By the way, in the first service, there was a woman right about here. She was starting to do this. But anyway, so that was like our job. And I remember at one point after you got so far down with the buckets, I went, I had to get, go get a ladder, put down in the thing, crawl down, had to stand, I had, I had rubber boots, and then I, my, I would take the bucket, and then I would lift it up over my head to my brother. Now, this is a side note. Even non-Christians pray about certain things, because I'm pretty sure I was praying things like, oh God, do not let my brother dump this, right? When you're, right? So anyway. Dirty jobs, hard shift here. We're going to talk now about God. <laughs> Why not? Just to be clear, God is not averse to taking on messy stuff. He's just not. Um, a couple of examples in the Old Testament. God's people were slaves for 400 years, the Israelites. So they cry out to God you know, save us, help us. So God intervenes. But the generational slavery had kind of messed them up, I think, emotionally. So God wanted to set them free, like help them to live free. But a bunch of the time, they were kind of messed up, and they were like, look, we just want to go back. Because this is, long story short, it took 40 years just to get them to this promised land. But God, right, still engaged, even though it was a messy process. It's one example. In the New Testament, there's all kinds of examples of people coming to Jesus, and basically what they say is, I'm in a mess, I'm messed up. I have pain, I have this, this is not working right. And Jesus would what? He would get involved. In Luke 19, Jesus describes himself, his motives, like some of the motivation he had in his heart. It says, the, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That lost word describes, part of it is described as in a state of destruction. So it's not all perfect at all. In Matthew, we'll give you one more Bible verse. In Matthew 9, some really religious people, not like good religious people, like super critical overly judgmental religious people. They were called the Pharisees. And they were asking Jesus' disciples, uh, why does Jesus hang around with sinful people? And part of Jesus' response to that was this. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And that's different, I think, than most of us. Jesus' tendency, if I, if, if after the, church today, we were out in the atrium, and we were talking, and I started coughing toward you. <laughs> I mean, you know, most of it would be like, yeah, Merry Christmas, dude, right? Because 
because we shy away from sick. Does, does that make sense? Jesus, like, was all the time responding to, oh, that's like sick. All that. He's like, no, I'll, I'll get involved in that. Try to make a difference in that. By the way, this whole idea so far, isn't it good news that God is willing to get involved in messed up situations? Amen? Isn't that good news for us? So hold that thought, those thoughts. We're finishing up our Christmas series called Messy Christmas. We're exploring some of the messier details of the Christmas account. And even in today's text, which is kind of the primary Christmas story that will be shared all over the place during Christmas weekend, tons of people will talk about this, even in this tradition. This is the part of the story where a, a bunch of like Christmas carols are kind of written out of this, but there's still some messy stuff in there. That's what we're going to explore. So in Luke 2, and I thought we would do something different today. Instead of staying seated while we read the scripture, would you, out of reverence for the Bible and for God and for the Christmas story, would you stand? It might also help us focus, as many of us have heard this story multiple times. Luke 2, 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Verse 3. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room there was no guest room available for them. Just a little bit more the story of the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. One more verse. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Title of the talk is Christmas. Jesus got messy from the beginning. I'm going to look at a couple messy parts of this story. Before you're seated, let's pray. God, we really hope that our whole service will honor you today. And during this message part, I pray that you would make it real to us, make it applicable to us, that we might not just honor you uh, and recognize you like on Christmas but it potentially could affect us, maybe even our entire future, just because we hear some good things that are applicable. So help us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you guys. You can be seated. We're going to talk about a couple messy things in even this part of the Christmas story. 
the first idea, and if you want to write it down, there's a handout you received on the way in. The, the day one of the Christmas story involves awkward timing. I'm going to talk about awkward timing. We get this point from the first verse where it says Caesar, the emperor, the ruler, issues a decree that a census roll call should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, we're talking about timing. For almost anyone in the Roman world, this would have been bad timing, okay? This is not like an annual event that they had on their calendar. This is something that the emperor, my best understanding is that the emperor just decided every once in a while, hey, are we getting all the taxes we deserve? Let's make sure we're getting all the taxes. Make everybody go to their hometown and register so we can make sure we can get our taxes. All right, that, does that make sense? So there wouldn't have been prep time. There just would have been probably a hear ye, hear ye. Guess what's on your calendar over the next couple of weeks? You got to go wherever your hometown is. You've now got to add to your calendar, trip to hometown to register. So my guess is for everybody, for virtually everybody, they would be, oh, you got to be kidding me. Because the timing of that, because most people have lives, right? And you have, by the way, you can't get out of this. You can't, even with like Mary's pregnant, see, you can't just go, sorry, can't show up because my wife's nine months pregnant. They don't care. You can't email it in. Isn't there some kind of a absentee ballot here? They don't care. They just say, this is on your agenda now. That's awkward timing. You add to it the Mary and Joseph situation where Mary is nine months pregnant. That's bad. That's the awkward timing. And you also put in the midst of that the, okay, so Joseph's hometown, Bethlehem, it's about a 90-mile walk slash ride donkey. Who knows how you're going to get there, which is the equivalent of Someone saying to us today, if you live in Mishawaka, sorry, guess what you get to do this week? Walk to the north side of Kalamazoo. Have fun. Can I get out of it? No. Can I right drive my car for them? No. This, you see how this... I also thought about this, that this translates... Well, you can also explore the awkward timing when they get to Bethlehem and then Mary says, guess what, Joseph? Contractions. Or water broke, oh goody, could this get any, could the timing get any more difficult? I also, this is the first time I thought about this, from Jesus' perspective, this added some challenges even to Jesus, who's still for some of this time just in the womb. Here's three things that I thought about. First thing, he's going to have one bumpy womb ride, <laughs> right? He's just, what in the world? <laughs> this is like before, never mind, that's, all right. So you got a bumpy womb ride. Jesus also has the more risky birth because probably they didn't arrange best week they didn't arrange for a midwife, which they would have had at home. Next one, makeshift clothing. They just they didn't have a amazing Christmas onesie to put him in. They just the Bible said they wrapped him in cloths, just doing the best they can. And then finally he has a scratchy crib because they put him in the manger, put him on some hay. 
Do you see how this has added some, the timing of this added difficulty even to Jesus? You can write this in. Jesus' initial life experience, oops, initial life experiences were really average. Really average. And let's just theorize on why. I believe it's because God is setting the stage for Jesus throughout his life to be able to face challenges and say, oh, that looks messy, oh, that seems difficult, or that wasn't perfect, for him to go, that's no big deal. I've been dealing with this stuff my whole life, even from day one. The timing of God shows no signs of fear or apprehension to jump in no matter what things are looking like. I know in my own personal Christian story, I became a Christian when I was 20, and from the outside looking in, my life was not going in a good direction when God decided to invite me to be his child. I was, in some of my, some of my areas were going okay, but I was thinking of my life morally, I was 20 years old, morally my life was going downhill. I wasn't getting more pure, going downhill. Uh, chemically, I was... I didn't grow up drinking, didn't have alcohol in our house, and I probably didn't taste alcohol until I was 18. But then after I tasted it, I kind of liked it. And so I was going to say my drinking was going downhill, but it, my consumption was going uphill. Because that, that, so that was going on. Uh, my family life, my father was, during that season when I became a Christian, he was in and out of psychiatric hospitals just struggling with some stuff. So all that, I don't know that I've thought about this much before, but my life's kind of going downhill. And if Jesus was protecting his own self, he would probably go, I'm not sure I want to connect with that guy because it's not going in a good direction. Does that make any sense? But that's just not who God is. He's not afraid of the direction of your life. And you're like, well, I don't know. This is really going to get messy. He's like, I don't care. I'm good. I'm fearless. I don't, I'm not worried about that. In fact, I want to jump in the mess and help. Proverbs, no, I'm sorry, Psalm 23. You may have heard of the 23rd Psalm. It's fairly popular. It starts, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. It goes on in verse 4 to describe the scenario where the writer says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, some translations say there, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's like, woo, right? Scary darkness. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, he says, I will fear no evil for you. Talking about God, God is not observing not distant praying, hey, I hope you make it through the valley. See you on the other side, and we'll be friends. No, it says he walks through, right? Even though I walk through the dark, you are with me. Because he wants, he gets involved in the dark stuff, the scary stuff, the stuff that frightens us, the things where we need help. He said, I'll be right with you with that. 
some years back, it's been a while ago, I uh, got to be around when a friend of mine became a Christian. Her name was Tammy, and uh, she started to go to church where I went to church, and, and I ended up asking her at one point, I said, Tammy, are you ready to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, or something like that? And I still remember, she said something like this, it'll come up on the screen, may not be word for word, it was like this. She said something like, I have a few things I need to work on right now. She, I'm interpreting that as the timing's just not quite right. I need to clean this up. I need, right? So she, and I said back to her, if you wait, Tammy, if you wait to clean up your life before inviting Jesus in, you will never end up inviting him. Does that make sense? It, I think sometimes we end up with, by the way, and she accepted Christ. It changed her life. She became just a great committed follower of Jesus. But part of the lie maybe that she was believing was, oh, the time's just not right, right now. And can I just do a side note here? If you're waiting for all the stars of your life to align, and then you will ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, Part of me wants to say to you, I'm spoiler alert, all of the stars in your life will never align. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Let's stand for closing prayer. Can I just tell you that? No way. Never going to happen this side of heaven. In heaven, in eternity, when sin is gone, it'll all line up. It's going to be great. Right now, there's just going to be junk and stuff, and there'll be things that resist us following God, and the timing will be, I don't know, this isn't perfect. Who cares about perfect? Our timing won't be perfect. You got a Savior who is perfect. Run to Him. That's the opportunity of a lifetime, and that opportunity, when to do it, here, I think this, here's a fill in the blank. The time to connect with the Savior is always now, right now. Don't wait. That'd be a mistake. And if you're far from God and you used to be close, run back now. And if you're thinking, I think I'll take a break from God, don't do it. Stay with him now. Day one of the Christmas story involves awkward timing. The second thing is it involves average companionship. I don't know if that's the best way to say it, but we're going to talk about the reality that the shepherds were Unusual decisions to be invited to Jesus' birth. We read the story. Here's the shepherd's story. All that, which you probably are somewhat familiar with, maybe. There are shepherds living out in the fields. They're watching their flocks. The angel of the Lord appears to them. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Basically, you're going to go and visit Jesus. He just got born. Like he just, this just happened. Go to Bethlehem. A couple comments so that we understand this well. This is not a random invitation to the shepherds, okay? This is a very specific invitation from God to this group of men. You read it. Uh, down, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone 
around them. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you, do you see this? This is first, most of my life, no, maybe not most of my life, a bunch of my life. I always thought this was a random thing. Like the shepherds just happened to be in the right field at the right time around the right flock. And they were like sitting there around a campfire going, hey, what's happening? And all of a sudden, right? I just always thought they were lucky. They weren't lucky. They were invited by God specifically to this place. Then the other thing about the shepherds is they're probably just not that spectacular as people. Um, shift gears. So when you get to the manger scene out behind, like, you know, out behind whatever, behind the hotel, kind of like a barn little place, when the shepherds would show up, they would just wouldn't be that impressive. I've, uh, I was thinking if you had a, um, a view from Jesus' little mind when he just was a newborn. Uh, by the way, he's already done the bumpy ride, um, challenging birth, scratchy bed. And now he looks over, and the first guests, besides mom and dad, who he probably thought were great, but then if he would, could look and focus as a little baby, here comes the shepherds. And I think it would be easy for Jesus to think, and why are you here? Does it, like, you, have you had a bath lately? Or what kind of animals did you bring? And does that make sense? They just would have not been impressive. So you can write this in. Jesus' first invited guests were not pretty people. And I know that's the last fill in the blank, but hang in here for three more minutes. So what's the point of God specifically inviting these shepherds to the manger, first guests in Jesus' life experience? I'm going to do a little side note just in case this is confusing some of us. The wise men, if you go back and read the wise men's story, they were not there in the manger scene. They came after the manger scene. If you take and read it, it in, in tradition, you know, in our little nativity scenes, the, that was later. The star appears, then they have to travel. The, the Bible says that Jesus was born, then they travel. So they weren't there this first. Sorry, some of you are like, are you kidding me? My grandma told me that they, okay, sorry, granny was wrong. They, they came a little bit later. So the only record we have of someone on like Jesus' birthday were these shepherds. Why the shepherds? Here's what I think. It'll come up on the screen. All are welcome at the manger. Jesus, God is making a point by not inviting the prettier people, knowing that everyone can come into this setting. It's like a barn, right? Right? 
Who's not invited? Who's not welcome in a barn? Because you can say, well, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I don't have good shoes on. Who cares? It's a barn. I haven't had a shower today. Who cares? It's a barn. My hair's not looking great. It's a barn. I got a stinky animal with me. It's a barn, right? Come on in to the barn. You are welcome at the barn. So let's just get a little specific here with some of the things that might that we bring that are just not perfect. Anybody physically have imperfections? You want me to start calling out things I might be able to see even from the stage? <laughs> right? We are like, anybody, what do they call them, muffin tops? Anybody got those things? No matter what you do, you just still got them. And, and some of them are pretty big muffins, right? <laughs> physically, that physically or like our hair just never does what we want or our hair is falling out when we keep saying, please don't fall out. It just does it anyway. Or, you know, we don't have the best, whatever it is. You may have a physical, like a literal limp where you just, because of something happened, like you may have a limp in your life. You can limp into a barn. No, just come on in. You might think, oh, financially, I don't have anything I can't bring. You know, I'm not like the wise men who come later and bring this treasure. I don't have any money. It doesn't matter. There's nothing to, there's nothing to buy. There's no concession stand in the barn. No one's there to collect money in the barn. It just doesn't matter. You can, it, we're all invited. Could be a little relationally awkward. It's okay. I, I'm guessing the shepherds were not phenomenal relationally. You got to... You know, it's a group of guys that kind of live in the wilderness together with sheep. Maybe they were intellectually stimulating. Maybe not. And one thing we know for sure, spiritually, the shepherds, because of their responsibility to the sheep, they were incapable. Now hear this. They were incapable of, of completing all the religious rules of their day. Because the, in the religious rules of the day, you had to do this kind of sacrifice. You had to go this here on the right day. You had to not work on the, the sap. There were all these things. And because of their occupation, they could not do it all. So they, by nature, were part of a social group that were failures spiritually. And God said, I want them to be at the manger, first day, because who did Jesus come for? Spiritual failures who need a Savior. And that's one of the big messages of the Christmas story. So just to recap, day one of the Christmas story involves awkward timing, average companionship, and is that not great news for us? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.